0: Hello and welcome to this podcast series on investment topics. My name is Jennifer Coombs and I'm an associate professor at the College for Financial Planning. And today we're going to talk about some of the quintessential calculations that we use in investments for taking a look at risk and return adjustments. So the three formulas that we tend to use in this space are Jensen's Alpha, Sharp, and Trainer. And I'll go into each one in turn to hopefully help you get a sense of the differences between each one and when and how and why we use them. So we'll start with Jensen's Alpha, which is incidentally um, one of the more useful formulas in portfolio management. Because it's very useful in helping to articulate and also analyze the performance of investment managers. Because an investor needs to not only look at the overall return of the portfolio, but also the risk that the portfolio has associated with it to see if the investment return actually compensates them for the risk that they took to get that return. So, for example, if you have two mutual funds that have a 12% return, a rational investor would prefer the fund that has less risk if we're just basing it off of the same performance that they're both returning 12%. And Jensen's Alpha is a way for us to help measure and determine if a portfolio is earning the proper return given its appropriate level of risk. So that at its core is the function that we use for Jensen's Alpha. When we conduct a reading for Alpha, we have to see if the value is positive. If the value is positive, that means the portfolio is earning excess returns. In other words, a positive value for Jensen's Alpha means that the fund manager has beat the market or beat their benchmark with their stock picking skills, and that's obviously very good for them. It's also worth noting that Jensen's Alpha is an absolute measurement of risk return. So it can be used in isolation. It does not need to be compared to the ratio of another mutual fund or another security in order to make sense. Um, So it is a formula, it is not a ratio, and that is important because when it is in this format, it allows for us to use it as an absolute return. Uh, An important thing to note with Jensen's Alpha as well is that it uses beta as part of its risk profile. And the deal with beta is that from time to time, it does tend to fall out of sync with how well the um, performance of the market can be associated with the performance of the stock. So we do need to conduct some additional analysis with beta to test to see if it is reliable. Uh, If beta is deemed to be reliable, then Jensen's alpha is fine to use as a measurement. One special consideration with Jensen's Alpha is actually linking back to a topic we've discussed previously, and that's the efficient market hypothesis. So critics of Jensen's Alpha measure, uh, they generally believe that the EMH um, and, and uh, its proponents argue that any portfolio manager that has excess returns is really derived from luck or random chance rather than skill. That's because they believe that the market has already priced in all available information, and because the market is efficient and accurately priced, that theory says that even if you have an active portfolio manager, they're really not bringing anything new to the table. That information had already been priced in the stock. So the supporting theory is the fact that many active managers fail to beat the market any more than those that invest their clients' money in things like passive index funds. So let's talk about another risk-adjusted return calculation and that's the SHARP ratio. So the SHARP ratio does not use beta in its calculation, it uses standard deviation and also worth noting, too, that it is a relative measurement of risk-adjusted return. So it needs to be compared to the Sharpe ratio of another asset in order for it to make sense for us. Uh, So William Sharpe was actually the creator of the Sharpe ratio back in 1966, and it's been one of the most referenced risk-return measures in finance. Uh, Most due to its simplicity. It's merely the difference between the return of the portfolio or the return of the security minus the risk-free rate divided by the standard deviation of the security or the fund. Uh, and the ratio's credibility actually was bursted f- further when um, Professor Sharp won a Nobel Prize in Economic Sciences in 1990 for his work on the capital asset pricing model. Uh, so, the Sharp ratio, as well, most finance people understand how to calculate the Sharp ratio and what it represents. So, it's a very important one for us to know and understand. And the ratio describes for us how much excess return you will receive for the extra volatility you endure for holding a riskier asset. Remember, you need to be compensated for the additional risk that you take for not holding a risk-free asset. And then lastly, we'll talk about trainer. So trainer, similar to alpha, uses beta, in its calculation. It's the exact same uh, formula as the Sharpe ratio with the exception that the denominator is beta instead. And it is a ratio, so that makes it a relative measurement of risk-adjusted return, meaning that we have to compare it to that of another fund or security in order to make sense. So in an essence, the trainer ratio is a risk-adjusted measurement of return based on purely its systematic risk, as opposed to its total risk, which is measured by the Sharpe ratio. So it indicates how much return an investment, such as a portfolio of stocks, a mutual fund, or an exchange-traded fund, an ETF, earned for the amount of risk that the investment assumed. So if the portfolio has a negative beta, though, or an Inaccurate or uh, unreliable beta, the ratio though is not going to be meaningful for us. Uh, But what the trainer ratio attempts to do is to measure how successful an investment is in providing compensation to investors for taking on investment risk. So the trainer ratio is reliant upon a portfolio's beta, again, that sensitivity uh, to movements in the market in order to be able to judge risk for that security. Uh, So there's some limitations and uh, certainly usefulness in all three of these measurements. And we'll talk a little bit more about these in a future podcast.